Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. And so there's a story told about uh, Fierro... LaGuardia. And so, who, when he was the mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression and of World War II, was called, amen, by adorning New Yorkers, adoring New Yorkers, the little flower, because he was only five foot four and he always wore a carnation on his lapel. And so he was a colorful character who used to ride the New York City fire trucks, raid uh, speakeasies with the police department, take entire orphanages to a baseball game. And so when, whenever a man, the New York newspaper were on strike, he would go on the radio and read the Sunday funnies to the kids. So... One bitterly cold night in 1935, the mayor turned up at a night court and served a man, the poorest ward of the city. And so LaGuardia dismissed the judge and took over the bench himself. Within a few minutes, uh, the tattered, tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. So she told LaGuardia that her daughter, her husband, Amen. Had deserted her. Her daughter was sick. Amen. I guess her other daughter. Amen. And her two grandchildren were starving to death. Uh, the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. It's really a bad neighborhood, Your Honor. The man told the mayor. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no excuse, amen. Exceptions, amen. $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he pronounced this sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket. He extracted a bill and tossed it into his famous sombrero saying, Here's ten dollar. Here's the ten dollar fine. Now I remit. And furthermore, I am going to fine everyone in this courtroom fifty cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff collected the fines and gave them amen to the defendant. The poor little grandmother left the courtroom with uh, forty-seven dollars and fifty cents in her pocket. And 50 cents of that amount being contributed by the grocery store owner, amen, who was red-faced. Around the courtroom, about 70, amen, petty criminals, people charged with traffic violations, and New York City policemen, each of whom had just paid 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, gave the mayor a standing ovation. And so this evening, I want to say that is it, the very essence of saving grace. And so re grace recognizes our wretched condition, pays our debt, and gives us more than we could ever have imagined. John Newton, 
said this. Amen. God got it right. Amen. When he called it amazing grace. Let's read our scripture this evening. 2 Samuel 9, 3-13. And the king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet where he is. Amen. Where is he? asked the king. He is in Lodabar. Ziba told him, and, amen, at the home of Mikar, amen. And so David sent for him and brought him to uh, from Mikar's home, and his name was Mephibosheth. And he and Jonathan's, and he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, amen. I'm going to get tongue twisted here. I'm your servant. Do not be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of your, uh, because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that I should show that you should show much kindness to a dead dog like me. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, I give him your master's grandsons, I mean, I give him your master's grandsons, everything that belongs to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him, to produce food for your master's house. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson will eat here at my table. Amen. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table. Like one of his, one of the king's own sons, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. Amen. From then on, all the members of Ziba's uh, household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Amen. Let's pray this evening. God, we pray. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace and mercy, Lord God, that has been bestowed upon our lives, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, this evening. We ask you to move in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. I'm not going to preach who's dining at your table, like Pastor Campbell preached. <laughs> he preached on this, amen. But same text, but a different sermon. And so I want to look at how grace is extended. And so this story opens in the throne of uh, David's room, amen, in Jerusalem. And so David has, amen, his heart to extend grace Amen. To one of uh, Saul's family members. The reason for this grace, David says, that he wants to show someone, amen, uh, to Saul's family, amen, was because he wanted to show somebody kindness for Jonathan's sake. And so the word kindness is also translated into goodness. It is also translated into mercy. It is also translated into favor and loving kindness. And so in the Old Testament, 
this word means grace. And so grace is often defined as the undetermined love and favor of God towards, amen, the undeserving. How many of us know that all of us are undeserving of God's grace, His mercy, and His kindness? And so grace is one person accepting another person in a positive manner in spite of their unworthiness of the person being accepted. Amen. And so David's desire, amen, was to extend grace to a member of Saul's family. Amen. It's amazing in light of what newly kings usually did when they came to power. Many ancient kings totally eradicated the families of their predecessors to ensure that no one would launch a claim for the throne. For example, amen, I don't know how to say this name, but this king, amen, mutilated, executed, and fed the bodies of his rivals to the dogs as a part of his first official acts, amen as the king of Assyria. And so this king, amen, did what was justifiable. What David did was extend grace. David had the right to execute judgment, but he chose to demonstrate grace instead. And so David did this not because, amen, the house of Saul deserved it. He did it for two reasons. First, he did it because of his relationship with Jonathan. If you remember the story in 1 Samuel, they were closer than brothers. The Bible says that their hearts were knit together. And so this is one of the reasons why David did this. Another reason why he did this is because of the two promises that he had made years before. David had promised both Jonathan and Saul that he would not totally destroy his offsprings. So this grace is extended because of another. And so that is the nature of grace amen and that is the nature of God's grace God extends his grace amen to the descendants of Adam and so we do not deserve his grace his love and his mercy amen we deserve judgment we deserve damnation yet God extends his grace amen to you and I amen because of another he reaches out to the fallen he reaches out to the depraved sinner because of his, amen, he loves his son. And because Jesus died for us on the cross, we have done nothing, amen, to merit this. But because of Jesus, we can experience God's amazing grace. The grace, amen, this grace reaches out. When David decides to extend grace, he does, he does it without any limits. He is looking, he's not looking, amen, for anything in return. Amen. The house of Saul was the house of his uh, predecessor, a bitter, amen, enemy, but it did not matter to David. David placed no limits on his grace. He was willing to extend it, amen, by any means, amen, to Saul's house. David was not looking for people that met his criteria. He wasn't looking for people who were soldiers, he wasn't looking for people who were intellects, he wasn't looking for people, amen, with extraordinary abilities. Any person who was, the who was from the family of Saul, amen, was a candidate for the grace of the king. 
And so God's amazing grace knows no boundaries. God extends His grace to all people, regardless of their past, their race, their social standing, or their deeds. Amen. God does not reach out, amen, to save the righteous, but He reaches out to save the sinner. And so if you have never been saved, amen, that qualifies you here today. If you have, if He will, amen, save anyone, Amen. Who will come to him? Our condition, amen, is dead. We're deceived. We're depraved. Amen. We're doomed. Sadly, many people do not see themselves as sinners. Amen. But scripture says otherwise. Romans 3 10 through 16 says, As the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away, amen, and have all become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like a stench from an open grave. Their tongue are filled with lies. Excuse me. Snake venom, venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follows them. This is a picture of you and I, amen, before we were saved. And so this is where David finds Mephibosheth. He was in this house, amen, of Mekar, amen, in Lodbar. And so both the house and the place describes, amen, Mephibosheth's condition. And so Mekar means sold, and Lodabar means no pasture. And so both the places and house describe his condition. Mephibosheth, amen, was a man injured in a fall. His condition, amen, was not his own fault. He was a son of royalty. He was crippled, unable to seek or get, rid, or get amen, to the king. He was separated in hiding and he was afraid. And by the way, his name means shameful. He was in a hopeless condition, and he was helpless to do anything about it. What a picture of that is, amen, is a lost sinner. Like Mephibosheth, amen, a lost person is sold under sin. He is in a place, amen, where there is no hope. He is in a place when he cannot help himself. The lost sinner is a slave to his passion. And to the devil. He is in a place of absolute slavery. The lost sinner is in a place of no pasture and no hope. Amen. Things are dead. Things are gray. Amen. Where the sinner lives. And so I want to take a look. Amen. At the response of grace. And so David, David discovers that Jonathan's son is still alive. He also hears of the news, amen, that this man is crippled. The response of grace is not to ask what kind of man he is or even how, amen, bad he is crippled. Grace does not, amen, concern itself, amen, with the man's background, his surrounding, his ability, his appearance, his future potential, amen. And so the response of grace is to ask, where is he? This is what David did. And as soon as David hears that this man, where this man is, he sends his servants to go get him. 
Grace says, I am not concerned about his condition. I want him, amen, just like he is. David says, I'll take him just like he is. So it is with, amen, amazing grace. He does not look upon us and concern himself with our crippled, amen, spiritual condition. God looks upon us through the eyes of grace. He sees us exactly like we are, amen. He puts, amen, he gives us love in spite of what we deserve. He knows, amen, all about our past. He knows all about our problems, amen, but he sees a, a potential in you and I. And he responds, amen, for by drawing us to himself anyway. John 6, says this in the Amplified Version. No one is able to come to me unless the Father who sent me attracts, amen, and draws him and gives him the desire to come to me. And then I will raise him up from the dead at the last day. And so no wonder it is called amazing grace, amen, because even God, amen, through his spirit calls us to him. How wonderful, amen, a God that we have, amen, that he's out there, amen, through circumstances, amen, through problems, he's calling people, amen, and he's calling people to reflect upon their problems, but look towards him for the answers, and so grace, amen, is the only means of salvation. Mephibosheth was one of the last survivors of Saul's families. If it were not for David's grace, amen, demonstrated his whole entire family would soon have perished. If it were not for grace, amen, of God, amen, no son of Adam would have survived. But all would have lost their lives. Sin, amen, would dominate our lives. I want to take a look how grace is embraced. For just a moment, put yourself in this man's shoes. You are one of the few remaining members of, of Saul's house. You are living in a place of called Lodabar, which means no pasture. You are in a helpless situation in life. He is poor. He is crippled. And he has, amen, since he was five, excuse me. When he was five, his father was killed in a battle. And that horrible news came as Mephibosheth's nurse, amen, tried to flee with the child and dropped him. And his legs were permanently damaged. All his life, since he was five years old, amen, this boy, amen, is warned that David might find him. He has lived his whole life in fear and misery. Think about this. This is what he's thinking in his mind. You do not have, amen, access to wealth or the lands of his families. You have been warned that David might come for you one day. Then one day you hear the sound of a horse and its chariot outside. The men enter your house and tell him that the king has sent for him. They load him up and take him from his home and see, amen, the king, amen, and take him to the king. After a while, the chariots arrive at the king's palace. Mephibosheth is carried into the king's presence, 
And so when he arrives there, it is nothing like he imagines in his mind. Mephibosheth has entered the presence of grace. Hallelujah. This evening. So in his mind, he's thinking, amen, as he's going to the king's palace, that, that the king is, is uh, seeking retribution, amen, for what had, amen, for what Saul did to him. But instead, amen, he is met with grace. And so he embraces this grace with a humble heart. When Mephibosheth comes into David's presence, he is, an, he is aware that he is a descendant of Saul and he deserves nothing but judgment from the king. So he humbles himself in his presence and he throws himself before the king. He embraces it with all, amen, with a happy heart. Instead of judgment, Mephibosheth experiences tender, amen, kindness from this king. Think about what David could have done to him. I believe that when David looked at Mephibosheth, he saw was was actually he was actually thinking about Jonathan, and so David identified Mephibosheth with Jonathan, and so that's what God does with you and I, Amen. What he see, what we see here, Amen, in the Scripture, is God's. Imputation, amen, at work, amen. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be an offering for our sins, so that we could be right, made right with God through Christ. And so he hears David call him, and to his amazement, David speaks peace to him. And he hears, amen, the king's promise, amen of restoration of all his wealth, glory, amen, that once belonged to his family, Saul. And so, amen, this is the icing on the cake. David promises to give Mephibosheth, amen, a place at the king's table. Think about this. It is with a happy heart that Mephibosheth embraces grace. He embraces, amen, it with an honest heart. Mephibosheth is overwhelmed by his grace and he receives, amen, it. He acknowledges that he is undeserving, amen, of such love and mercy. Grace has been extended and it has been embraced and nothing will ever, amen, be the same in Mephibosheth's life again. And that's a picture of you and I when we come to Christ, amen. What a picture this is for the lost sinner, amen, who encounters grace. And so when the king first calls, amen, there is fear in the sinner's heart. I remember this when I got saved. It brought about conviction, amen. The sinner knows that he deserves nothing but judgment and damnation from the hand of God. So then God calls, amen, amen, to us. And we cannot deny him. When the sinner responds to God's call. And he is ushered into the presence of the Lord. He falls down in humility. He falls down in reverence and worship. And this is what happened to me when I got saved. I remember Mephibosheth's story. Amen. I can relate to this. I fell before God. I knew that I was a sinner. I did not know this. Amen. Before. I was blinded, amen, by my sin. But when I came to Christ, that's what I did. I fell before God's altar. 
And I told God to forgive me. And so then the king speaks, amen, and he reveals the truth that grace, amen, has turned away his wrath, opened his heart, amen, and God invites us, amen, to make heaven our home. And so that grace, that promise to restore the sinner and everything, amen, sin took away. And so if you have experienced, amen, God's saving grace in your life, then you know how overwhelmingly, amen, true it is. Think back to the day as a lost sinner when you were brought by the Spirit of God into His presence. Do you remember the fear? Do you remember the feeling of dread? Do you remember, amen, how He spoke peace, amen, to your soul on that day? Do you remember how you came without nothing, Amen. I remember this. When I came with nothing, I had destroyed my life. Amen. What a grateful, wonderful, matchless, glorious Savior we have. When His grace is embraced, everything changes in our lives. A lot of times, you know, people, they come to the kingdom of God and they expect this immediate change. But that was not so, amen, in my life. As I started serving God, amen. God started putting my life back together, amen. He started putting back the pieces, amen, that I had thrown away, amen, or, or uh, forgot about or thrown to the side. He started, amen, putting my life together, amen, and that's how grace is, amen. So when Mephibosheth came to David, he did not get what he deserved. He received grace. When he received grace, he also received more blessing than he could ever have imagined. And so grace was expanded. Amen. Grace provided Mephibosheth, amen, with that saving grace that prov that's also provided to you and I. Grace provided a future also for him. And Lodabar, Mephibosheth had nothing. He was poor. He was an outcast. He was a fugitive. He had no hope. He had no prospect for his future, but when he met grace, when he met God, I want to say that everything changed in his life. All, amen, is present, amen, that he needed. Grace gave Mephibosheth something he never could have had in Lodabar. Grace gave him a future. Grace gave him, amen, the plenty of a king. Grace gave him peace, amen, with the king. And so this one man's encounter with grace affected his family also. All of them were delivered from Lodabar and brought into, amen, the, the king's house, amen, into the king's presence. And so Mephibosheth accepted to come into the king's table, amen, and sat there for the rest of his days. But he could not come whenever he wanted, amen. But the king had invited him, amen. And so this means, amen, that we have an open invitation. And so he had access, amen, to the king. And so thus you and I have access to the Father. The same is true, amen, for all that experience God's saving grace. Adam, amen, 
our Lodabar had nothing. We were lost, undone, and headed to hell. We were outcasts and fugitives running, amen, for our lives from a holy God who possessed, who possessed the right and the power to send us, amen, to a lost eternity. But the grace was extended and embraced, amen. Everything changed. What sin could never give us became ours through Jesus Christ. For the first time, there was hope, amen, for our future. We had no future, but we had a promise of security. We had no home, but we had a promise of a home in heaven. We had no hope, but we had a promise, amen, that our needs would be met. We had no one, but we are promised, amen, his presence, amen, all the way home, amen, to heaven. Grace restores everything that Adam threw away in the garden. So grace provides for us a family. Mephibosheth was adopted, amen, out of Saul's family and into David's family. Grace gave him something that he did not have before. It was extended to him. Amen. Grace gave this man a family. Every day, think about this, he lived, amen, in the king's presence. He was reminded, amen, by his surroundings, amen, and by the king's presence, amen, of the, that he was a recipient of grace. He was where he was because of grace, amen, that King David had upon him. David claimed him as his son. And so grace took Mephibosheth out of death and brought him into life. When a sinner responds, amen, to the call of grace, he is saved. That sinner is immediately adopted into, a, into the family of God. In Adam, we were doomed to die. In Jesus, we are destined for life. Romans 5.15 says this. It says, but... There is a greater difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of Adam, amen, sorry, for the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through, amen, this other man, Jesus, amen. And so grace took us from Lodabar and brought us into the family of God. And we... Amen. Never need to forget, amen, what God has done, amen, by His simple grace. And so how wonderful, amen, is grace. Grace also provided fulfillment for this man. Mephibosheth was a nobody in his household, amen, but now he is a somebody. Imagine the scene. It is supper time in David's palace. And the royal family enters the dining room and takes their places at the king's table. There was Absalom. He, the Bible says that this man was perfect. He was handsome. There was David's other sons. There was his beautiful wives and daughters. And there was Joab's, the gen, uh, King David's general, a proud and strong man. There were also princes and princesses. Soldiers and statesmen, men of wealth, men of degree, and men of power. All of those, these people took their place at the king's table. But wait, amen. As the family gathers, there is a sound of a crippled man coming down the hallway. 
Can you hear, amen, the clump of this man coming down the hallway, the sounds, amen, of his beating, dragging feet. It is Mephibosheth. He takes his place at the king's table with all, amen, the rights and privileges as a rest. Then when he takes, amen, his seat, the tablecloth falls across his leg. He looks just like the rest. Because, amen, of grace, Mephibosheth belongs at this table. And so grace took a nobody like Mephibosheth and made him a child of the king. Mephibosheth would have never known joy, happiness, fulfillment, contentment, and unconditional love apart from grace, amen, of King David. And so Mephibosheth knew that he was just a sinner, a nobody, but when he sat at the table, he was just like everyone else. And I want to say this evening that God invites us, amen, to seat at his, to be seated at his table. And so that is the power of grace. It takes a lost sinner, changes him completely, and gives him, amen, a seat before God. It takes us from Lodabar and makes us into one of God's children. And so he seats us at his table of grace. He takes care, amen, of our past and our infirmities. And so that is the power that God has given us through his grace, amen. He gives us his spirit. And no wonder it is called Amazing Grace. You've heard it, amen. You've heard that song, Amazing Grace. And so even after, amen, he was adopted in the family, Mephibosheth was still lame on both of his feet. He was still a cripple, amen, but he was welcome at the king's table. And so it is the same for you and I. Even though, amen, we are saved by grace, a lot of us, most of us, and I can say all of us, are far less than perfect. Amen. But God, amen, he accepts us. And as we accept his son, can I have every head bowed and every eye closed this evening? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.